Hello and welcome to Snakes in the Olympico. Um, I'm Ryan, joined with LA tonight. Um, Danielle should be along shortly. Um, before we start, Madrid lost 3-2 to Shakhtar. Let's all laugh at them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was very annoying. But um, how about that uh, TT kid? Holy crap. Uh, distribution all game long, scored a great goal, and they ended up winning 3-2. to yeah, he's he's really good. I also like um, Dodo, who's their left back, really exciting player. Um, I talked about him actually before on the podcast a little while ago, but those two are absolutely phenomenal, as well as the usual suspects for a very well coached um, Shakhtar team that always seems to do well in Europe. Um, can we be honest um, and just say for a sec, what? Why did Zidane not start Benzema today? And why was Tony Kroos on the bench? I, I think he got the lineup selection wrong from the get-go and it completely cost him the match. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a bit strange for him to go to that approach. It sort of – the vibe I got was like, we're Real Madrid, we're too good to lose to a team like this. And I thought it was, it was a very arrogant way of uh, setting up his team. And maybe he has some other explanation for that, but that's just the vibe I got from it. Danielle, are you okay after today? Huh? Are you okay? Yeah. All right. I'm just, I'm still just, just trying to grasp like everything that went on today. Because now that I have the CBS All Access app and also having some of the matches on TV, I'm doing, I'm pulling at Elliot. I'm like watching two matches at once. So it's like, it's a lot to take in. So I'm trying to grasp everything. Nice. Um- so I guess we'll start out with you because your team had a massive game today. Um, Lukaku uh, gave you guys a draw at the end of the game. Are you happy with the result? Um, I'm definitely happy with the result. It, of course, there were times where we looked like we could have even pulled ahead at some points and, and had this match won. But um, – Mooch and Gladbach is one of those teams that, like, once they get on the counterattacks, it's hard to keep up, especially with how fast they're able to get from the one side of the field to the other side of the field in, like, no time flat. Like, we saw that one instance in the second half where that one player just broke away with the ball and was just able to get the ball into the goal with no issue at all. That's what happens when you have a functioning midfield. (laughs) (laughs) which is our trash um but yeah i mean lukaku definitely was the man of the match because just the way he was able to execute those two goals was just astounding all right um elliot what was your take on the intermatch and then Uh, a question about probably the worst moment of the day Okay, um, first of all, Lukaku was not man of the match. It was Martinez. He comes on, uh, gets subbed on, changes the game. There wasn't a lot of, like, momentum going with Inter, and and, uh, Martinez comes on and does his thing. Uh, But Lukaku's not a bad choice either. He did really well. Um, I'm not going to talk about the last goal. I'm going to challenge you on that. Go ahead. The guys literally saved them with the draw and scored two great goals. Yeah, but but no, but look. Martinez got the distribution. (laughs) 
Right. Go he ahead. but he he orchestrated the first goal, and at that point in the game, Glogbach was was kind of pulling away and kind of into a kind of trailing in that sense. Where I felt like Martinez coming on the game opened up everything for for uh, Inter. Lukaku does score the goals, and I I think it's a fine shout for man of the match. But for me, I thought it was Martinez because of the way the game changed when he entered it. It's not always about the person who scores the goal for me, and I thought the, the second Lukaku Martinez entered the match. Inter got really back into the game in a real way. The The goal happens pretty quickly. And then obviously on the second goal, that wasn't Martinez directly, but they were much more into the game when he entered the pitch. That's, that, that's, that's my point. And this is, I'm actually going to go up Danielle and agree with Lukaku. Uh, that's fine. In, in the, um, the late stages of a game, and you scored the first goal, I also can't give you a man in the match. Um, He's proving Manchester United wrong. Now, obviously, you'd rather have Rashford, yes. But, I mean, what do you think? Do you think um, – I mean, the Inter literally almost stole the guy. So, what are your thoughts on Lukaku and Inter so far, Guru? Oh, he's been he's been unbelievable. Um, I think Rashford's great. At this point, I'd probably still favor Lukaku just because – he, it's like he came into this league and he just started scoring goals immediately. And then, and he's he's taken some penalties. You can say whatever you want about that, but he's come in. He's come in immediately. He's adapted. He's and he's, you know, we want to see him perform a little at a higher level in the derbies and stuff like that. And he has missed some chances, but he is absolutely, with no debate, one of the best players in the league. Certainly, one of the best strikers in the league, and you can compare him to anybody in in Italy. And he's you got a fair argument, and he's been he's been phenomenal. When they paid what they paid for him, I thought it was a bit ridiculous and excessive, but that's just because I I, I was subjected to him at Man United and what he looked at at Man United, and then he comes in, obviously comes to Inter Milan, comes to Italy, and just overtakes that mem- that he just becomes a superstar out of the gate. And then you kind of – when you watch him and the way he controls the game at times, you can see exactly why they ended up paying as much um, as they did. I think he's been a, a smashing hit. And I think at this point, his transfer value is through the roof based on the fact that he scored 30-plus goals last season. He was uh, – I think – I'm not sure about this. I think he's the, he was the player of the season of last year's Europa League, and he just continues to improve and improve. And um, he's going to be up there for the golden boot at the end of the season in Italy, and I think he'll be really important with um, the Champions League and everything like that. And the, the duo boot with Martinez and Lukaku is perfect. They understand their role. They help each other out, and the two of them together is absolute nightmare to handle. And if Inter don't win the league, it's not going to be because of them because those two are as lethal as any pair of players in Italy at this point. All right. Uh, Danielle, are you going to get a Lukaku kit? Um, I'm sorry, Barella, but uh, I think we're going to go with Lukaku. Even if Barella wins player of the season? <laughs> oh, well, 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 if that actually ends up happening, then we'll I'll revisit it later on. For now, it's something like the Lukaku top. But um, there is one top that I might have to get before I get any other inter tops right now. I have to get a Switzerland top with Summers on it. Because besides those two goals... He was phenomenal throughout those matches, making those critical saves that look like if he didn't do anything, they would have probably went in. And 
he he's kind of like that player that I'm kind of like interested in watching more now is, is on the Switzerland team. So I'm going to get a Switzerland summer stop right. first. The, the save, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, the save he made on, um, I think it was DeVry the header, I thought, I thought it was mm-hmm. over when when that ball came off his head. I thought it was going back back in there, and he makes this just truly remarkable save. So yeah, he's 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 phenomenal. He's been one of the most underrated keepers in world football over the last five ten years, and and he continues to perform. And that's why it's gonna. Be, that's why this was the opportunity to beat them, just because I feel like at home the he'll be even sharper than he was tonight, and he was absolutely phenomenal tonight. Yeah, so like first I got to get a summer top with Switzerland because I it, Switzerland's my official international club now, so I have to do it. All right. Um I hate VAR. Um it's ruining Yeah, me me too. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll let you I go mean- because me and you are both football purists. Go just go ahead. Look, all right. If if you're gonna if there's a decision that needs to be made, I understand. I like that VIR exists because we get to make the right decisions. Because as a Roma fan, I've been on the r- wrong end of VAR decisions that would have been reversed had they been in place. And we've asked for this for many years, and now we got it. But it's not the fact that the, the VAR is a thing; it's the way they handle it. Look, and I, I'm actually gonna throw Dan- Daniel just real quick. The goal, the the um, sorry, the uh, the Gog. Goal that's the last, the their last one off onside, right? Mm-hmm. Onside, definitely onside. Any- there was no real reason to go check so, that. And no de- so, no debate, like, th- there's not even a counter argument, correct? All right, so there's definitely right, not exactly. So, in that situation, for them to spend like 10 minutes trying to figure out a call that was blatantly obvious that it was a goal under no circumstances to do it that way and spend all this time on basically a goal that was definitely a goal. You can see quite clearly through the replay that it was happening. And it's not the fact that, they, okay, if they want to look at a goal, fair enough. But it's the it's the amount of time they're taking to, to look at something so simple. And then they're not consistent. Then in the on uh, Lukaku's goal, I, I don't want to really get into if it was offside or not, but they spent like I, they don't even they barely even look at it at all. So it's the inconsistency of AR. It's the for me, the biggest issue I have is the amount of time that they're taking looking at these these plays or these situations where they're wasting so much precious time off the clock. The reason there were six added minutes of added time was because Glogbach, they, they looked at that goal for like, it felt like half an hour, and they were the referees just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And I'm, I'm literally young at my TV, make a decision, because the, VAR is a good thing to have. And obviously we need it just so we can get the things right. But I just don't like when they check it when it's not necessary and when they take the amount of time they do. We can talk about how VAR is not consistent and how they messed up certain plays down here and there. But my biggest beef with it is the fact that they're, they're, they're taking so much oppression's time. They're slowing down the game. We're basically having being by our TVs and computers and having to wait top five, ten minutes for them to make a decision that anyone who watched that game knows that that was, an, that was a goal. As harsh as it may be, and at that point, Glogbach were in front, so an Inter fan doesn't really want to see that, but it's still an obvious goal across the board. There was no need to check it, and even if they want to check it, it it's just the amount of time they're taking. is just It just seems obsessive. Danielle, would you like to respond? 
I definitely agree. Like, um, since I have to, I was watch since some only certain matches are on like TV itself, but the others I had to go through the app. So like, I was like looking at the other match while I was waiting for them to make get over with it because my stuff tempo Josh, his paws are like the perfect way to hold the phone. So while he was holding the phone, I was like sitting there looking at the other match, like okay, checking back to make sure the goal was finally officialized and then i'm like but it just took way too long i mean has they what is that shirt that iftv had var bar van culo because it's just like really it's it's it just to me if you're looking at like maybe a penalty situation or like if the goal you're really there might be like one foot or something just to double check it really quick fine by all means, go check it. But don't be taking 10 minutes because there could have been more chances for both sides if they hadn't taken until Kingdom Come to get that done. It's, I mean, there's an abuse of power with that, I think, in a way, too. So it's like, yeah, it is what it is. I think looking at that, that goal is not a bad thing to do because when you look at the game and look at what happened in that game and you look at those three, what was that, a player basically by himself from midfield? First of all, it was just a bad um, mistake from um, from Inter in that moment, but it was still on sides. So I understand why they had to look at it, but that's not a twenty minute decision. That that you watch that replay one, maybe a couple of times just to make sure. Then you make a decision. It just I felt like they they went on too long with what they were doing with something that once you saw it in slow motion, you can see that he's behind Vidal when he makes his run, meaning that he was on sides regardless. By the way, incredible goal, great goal on the counter. But it was just like the fact that they made it, you know, wait so long. And it's not just that. It's like nowadays because of this situation and all this stuff, it's like you're afraid to celebrate a goal. That was that could have been the game-winning goal, and he couldn't celebrate because he had to wait for them to officially give the goal. So I don't know. I just there's obviously VAR is important, and I'm glad we have it, but it's just being handled in like the worst way possible. I agree. All right, getting back to the Champions League, uh, Lazio Pants Dortmund. Thoughts from both of you. I'll let you start, Daniel. Oh my gosh! Oh man. Elliot, we were so wrong about that match, weren't we? Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm holding off because I, 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 my pick for the winning the group isn't changed, but we were dead wrong. I mean, but but we were just like, we had Dortmund like spanking Lazio 4-1. It was like, with the way that they were able to stay composed under pressure, the way they were able to immobile and the other Lazio goals, like scores of that not yesterday, like executed their goals to perfection, and just the way they were able to defend and keep um, Dortmund at bay, it was just an all around like, oh my gosh, we were wrong. Yes, Lazio has had issues. Maybe they were just having an off day the week they got their butts handed them to them, because like I said, it some weeks. Teams can perform great. Then they have like an off week where things don't go according to plan and stuff like that. So maybe that uh, they put that behind. I like how Lazio is able to put their mistakes behind them and focus on the match at hand. Inter, take notes. 
Um, but it's just like that was just a really good match to watch. I'm glad it was on. Elliot, um, you to try to put some respect on Shiro Mobley's name. You read, read <laughs> look, man. You, you read my mind exactly. My first sentence was like, was gonna was gonna be along along those lines. I mean, it's time to to stop this ridiculousness. Shiro Mobley, I mean, is one of the best strikers in the world. I, I don't care that he wasn't a superstar in Spain or Germany. He is scoring in Champions League games, and he was the he was he's his last Champions League goal that he had. Ironically, was when he was with Dortmund. So um, look, look, look what happened in the weekend. They get their pants pulled down by Sampdoria. It seemed that uh, I think most of us have at the bottom half of the table, even though we think they'll stay up. Um, and absolutely annihilate them, make them look like Bayern Munich, and Mobley's not there. You put a Mobley into that situation, and Lazio look like a great team again. Um, I do worry about the consistency of everyone else. and But the, the, the biggest takeaway I had from the game is, and Dorman did not play well. Sancho just disappeared. Um, Holland and, and Brandt and Reyna are the only people who really looked like they were, they were, they were ready and engaged in this game. Um, unfortunately, they just didn't perform, and they, they deserve our criticism um, today just because the, they're a much better team. They have the best player pretty much every position. And they have they have to perform better than they did. But um, for me, it just it just proves something that I, I said a few weeks ago is Kiro uh, Mobley elevates everyone else in that team. And the thing about it is Luis Alberto's good, Savage is good, Lazari's good. They have all these good pieces, but at the same time, when he's not there, it, it's just not they're not being elevated, not performing on that level. When he's there, all of a sudden all these different players are playing at a much higher level. He dictates everything that happens. I'm Anzagi's a good coach while annoying, but I think Mobley is the most person, the person most responsible for this. And um, yeah, so they, they severely outplayed lots. Uh, I played Dortmund yesterday. Um, I, uh, I think that Holland did well considering the circumstances, but it just wasn't good enough. But again, I'll say this great teams, can have can have a, a shocker and team like Lazio had a moment there and I think they, those teams can have those moments what Lazio needs to do is refocus that and not not celebrate what they did yesterday too much because it's a long way to go Dortmund's it's still in their control just because they they haven't played at, in Germany and if Dortmund r- wins the rest of the games outside of this one and beat Lazio in Germany, they're still they're, they'll still probably go through as winners of the group. But uh, an incredible, at least no, how far this goes, who knows? But incredible moment for Lazio, who hadn't been in Champions League for so long, and getting that moment against a great team that was uh, as much as I don't want to give them credit, uh, they were phenomenal. All right, uh, very good, um, guys. Um, Man United. Pulled off a shocker in Paris. Uh, let's be real here. Mbappe was nowhere to be found in that game. In fact, you could argue um, it Man United was so good they had to score for Paris. Uh, 2-1 United. Uh, Paris did not get a goal. Um, Man United got a, a contributor to an old goal to them, and they ended up winning 2-1. Uh, Elliot, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts? And first, first of all, Marcus Rashford, um, is he starting to become a superstar talent in European football? 
Um, I think so. A late bloomer because I've said this for a long time. I thought Rashford, when he first came out of the, the scene and did what he did, that he was going to reach a different level of, of genius in, as far as football play. It's taken him a little longer than I, I would have liked for him to take, but he's starting to look at that monster who, you know, other European clubs will look at as trying to, to purchase. Um, great goal at the end. Um, Paris were severely outplayed. Um, just stupid stuff, too. The, the, I love Navas. I think we all respect who he is as a keeper, but you cannot, he, after saving that penalty, being off his line, that's just that's just stuff you you that a, a younger keeper would make a mistake. Not someone who's won multiple Champions Leagues and been in all these different finals. He's he's got to know better um, because if he if that save stands, maybe the game is different. PSG didn't do much. They tried a lot of different sets and tried to attack them in a different way, really, but it just didn't work. Um, again, Neymar did what he could, but it was just it was just seemed like it was he was overwhelmed. By again trying to do things by himself, and I didn't. He didn't have a great game, but the majority of Paris just laid an egg against a team that I don't think is going to be in Europe next season. So, um, but you got to give credit to Man United. Um, I'm not giving credit for the coach because I just not not going to. But I think that that. <laughs> oh come on, come on. He, he man, he doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's just like okay, I'll give him. I'll give him credit. He he got the result there, but I feel like it was internal leadership. In on the pitch, I thought Pogba leadership wise, and he had a phenomenal game. Just I think to to get they came together and and had this great performance and they get the points, but um, I just don't think this this was a situation where a tactical move by the manager got them to that point. They did that as in like as a collective, but um, yeah, great performance. Um, again, it might want to be those those one off things where. They get this result and then they don't do well the rest of the group. But, you know, this is a huge result because they need to beat Istanbul once and they might be enough to to get through if, if Paris continues to struggle. Um, it put, it's RB Leipzig in a great situation. who look great. Um, so it's hard to say what's going to happen from this point, but you have to give them credit. Uh, they they get back to business. They win in, in against Newcastle um, to get some points in the Premier League. And now they got a Champions League win. Um, so, uh, fair play to them. Um, Danielle, fair play to United. Uh, definitely fair play to to man United. I mean, unfortunately this was one of the matches that I didn't get to watch because on the TV, it was Barcelona versus, I guess I'm going to call them easy. Cause if I don't know the name, I'm just going to say easy. Um, so I had Barcelona versus Easy, and then on my phone I was watching the Lazio um, Dortmund game. So I didn't get to watch that one, but I would, was keeping up with the score throughout because I do follow PSG on the score app. So, and I'm sitting there like, hmm. That's all I was going to say. It's like, wow. Hold on, uh, Ryan. Can I ask you something real quick? I just, I just want your opinion on this. Does because we know that Mbappe and I know we all like him at some in, at some level, you know. But the the point is here is in the Champions League final, he got set up multiple times, couldn't deliver, um, and then this was a competition where Mbappe needs to play well. After the performance we saw from him, and uh, he he was just not there. Do you think his transfer value in the market it goes down if he continues to play? Uh, this level in the Champions League. Okay, I mean, 
I'll say yes, but it's it's only going to go down from like two hundred and fifty million or two hundred and forty million. You know. Um, okay, fair enough. Look, and I appreciate oh, wow. it's 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 a good it's a good thing. But look, he's we all know that he's I want to call him like an alien or like a goat, but he's going to be a top ten player in the world for at least the next seven or eight years. He'll probably win a ball. Oh no, he'll probably win a ball and door. I, I can't see any way it goes down. Like no, but I do agree with you. Um, it seems when he's. It's funny because I think this PSG team is just as much talent, if not more, than the French national team. So the reason he's like not existed in the Champions League is kind of is kind of shocking to me. Um, I still he's mm-hmm. playing alongside a top five player in the world still. Um, Absolutely, no question. So you know, I mean, it's hard. So I'm going to say no, but yeah, I do think he needs to get up his performances. And honestly, I'll give you my opinion. I would not leave Paris if he performs like this in Madrid. They're going to eat him alive, you know? Exactly. He, he will not be able to – it, it could turn ugly very fast. Well, yeah, obviously. You're right about that there. I just think when I watch this guy, and he is phenomenal. He's talented. He's he's His talent level is ridiculous. And for him to be this uh, accomplished at such a young age is tremendous. But I feel like stuff like this separates him from other players who are breaking through. And I'm not saying that he's not the best youngster because, you know, he's, he's amazing, but I feel like the moments where you're in these championship games and you need that moment and he's unable to give it to you. It just, it questions me a little bit. And I, I don't question his desire and his motor. I just question certain parts of his mentality and certain parts of the game when it's getting into those moments um, because he, he scored a World Cup final. He, he's able to thrive under pressure, but other times he's just not, not able to. And I'm actually – I don't know how good he would – and obviously he's, he's tremendous, but if Neymar wasn't there and he had to basically um, have the majority of the, of the load in that same sense, I'm not sure he'd be able to handle in the same way. So – I don't know. I just find it interesting because you would think a player like Mbappe would thrive so much in these situations that to just justify further how great he is. And he is phenomenal. But I just feel like the, this is it's the same story again because we saw this in the Champions League final. We saw this in the game against Atlanta in the quarterfinals last year. There's just it just seems like there's too much inconsistency in the performance that we we expect from him. Um, and that's fair enough. But like you said, I'll give him another chance. I mean, if Paris doesn't get out of this no. group, then we'll definitely have a big question mark. But who knows? The next five games, he could be play phenomenal, average goal and assist goal and an assist a game. And then lead his team to the Champions League. Uh, final right? Victory. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not necessarily saying he's not legit. He is legit. But what I'm saying is the the separator of like a, a Messi, Ronaldo, and I'm and I'm not comparing him to anybody at this point. But those type of players who can take although who can uh, thrive and do a little extra than people expect from him. I'm, I'm just only questioning whether his ability to, to basically dominate the game in, in a way where he can single-handedly take you to that moment. But he is phenomenal. He's a top 10 player. I'm not saying that he's not great and he's obviously phenomenal, but I'm just saying in those little moments, I'm seeing a little bit of um, insecurity and some of the, just not having that attitude to go and go out and get it for his team. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, Danielle, what do you think? Do you think Mbappe? Um, I know he's your favorite player. I know you adore the man. Do you think he um, 
what do you think? Do you think he? You think he still has another gear he hasn't found yet? I think I'm just gonna give it, I'm gonna give him another chance too. But just the inconsistencies is like the red flag for me, just because a lot of football fans who watch him are expecting consistency throughout his career, and him like performing one match he's hot one match he's cold and it's just like unless he's consistent i kind of think in the sense that his transfer value will go down especially when it comes to the champions league where you're expecting to expected to perform at a top level so i mean well i think if it drops if he's appraised at like two hundred and fifty million right now, I think it'll drop down to at least no less than one hundred and ninety million, depending. So, yeah, and I think yeah, for sure, and I think that that's even a little. He's he's so young. That's the problem. That's why his I feel like his value is always going to be high, and um and probably he'll probably reset the market when it happens. But there's obviously things he needs to work on. But he's he he's not a completed product. But he's he is world class. That's not the thing I think we're we're talking about here. It's it's whether or not he has that that something extra that that Zlatan had, that Messi had, that Ronaldo had, that some of these other players had. Doesn't mean he can't be a top five player. But he's just I I feel like he's just missing that gear, and I I'm hoping that he finds it eventually. Yeah, so. <laughs> I agree. Because if this is the way it's gonna go, it's just like really. No, but look, even if it, even if this is the way it's gonna go, he'll still be a top ten player for a decade. The, the, what I'm the the point I'm really attacking here is if he has that something extra that we've seen in some of the all time greats of the past, and even if he doesn't have that something extra, he still is gonna be able to do amazing he'll still things. Be an I just think. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going back to what you, was, you said, Ryan, is he needs to find that extra gear if, he, if he's got that. And if he reaches that level and he's able to, you know, rebound from this and perform, um, then he's going to be outstanding. And if he doesn't have that but extra my, gear, my, oh, well, that he'd be a phenomenal number two. And me and you both know this. If yeah. you have a career like a Luis Suarez, you know, or like – Dennis Burkamp to uh, like as a co-star to Terry Henry. There is nothing wrong with that. You're still an all-time great and absolute legend. Right, and even if like let's just for sake of if this is the best he is like for the rest of his career, but he maintains this level, he'll still be an all-time great because he is world class, and at some point he will be the best player in the world. So the main thing I'm talking about here is whether he has that something extra that we've seen in some of the greats of the past. But that's not that's not to diminish anything uh, about Mbappe because he is again he's world class. It's just does he does he have that something extra? And that's the question mark. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm not saying does either. That's why it's it's interesting to see where this is going to go from this point because of after two performances in the Champions League that haven't been up to standards. All right. Um- so, Elliot, I have a tough subject for you. So I know how much you love to this man. Let's go. He led Atletico to a, a league title. Um, however, um, they're currently sitting eighth in the league. They just got smacked 4-0 today. Do you think the message from Diego Simeone is starting to get stale and he may need to be looking elsewhere for a new challenge? Um, Certainly. Uh, he's got to consider it, but – 
I'm not going to give Diego Simeone a total pass because some of some of the situations that have occurred in the last a couple of years is kind of his fault as well. And I get he has a good enough team to do things, and obviously he's not the only one to blame because he's a great manager. But the, the way sometimes the way he plays football doesn't um, I don't know how to, how to put it this it doesn't really help the certain personnel he has where he's playing this very uh, tough defensive football um, with with enough firepower to score goals with the best goalkeeper in the world. But the thing the thing about it is it, it, it's some of this he's playing this team as if he still has, uh, you know, Godin in his prime, as like he still has Griezmann, as he still has all these pieces that he had over the last you know, five, six, seven years. And I, the way everything is going with that is he's got to take some blame. He doesn't adapt and they don't, you know, and they don't win or it, it's a really underwhelming performance season. And he doesn't put enough good pieces around Leal or not Leal, a Felix. Then he's going to have to look elsewhere, and uh, Atletico Madrid are going to have a problem because they just signed Luis Suarez for the sole purpose of trying to win the league. With the dif- dysfunction of Real Madrid and Barcelona, as we have seen, it, this is they're in the driver's seat to win it, and they just haven't been good enough. And I think, you know, it's not the, their players are to blame as well, but the style of football that he's playing with this team that he has, I just don't think it works in terms of trying to to gain success and gain uh, a claim because he's still playing the style of football uh, that he played with his the, the team that fit this style. And I'm not sure this team fits this style. This team is a more of attacking football team, and he's not playing them in that way. And I think that's kind of the big issue here. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, or do you think it's a case, honestly? Byron, we've seen them, and I hate to bring it up, they smacked around my club, they smacked around Arsenal. They just seem to smack around big clubs for the sake of doing it. Could you just think it could be a case of a one-game thing, or do you think there's a bigger issue at large? If that let it go. Well – Okay, so I'm going to bring something up because, okay, obviously Bayern was incredible. They, they smacked Atletico around. There's no denying that. They go down 2-0 in the second half, right? And Atletico gets a goal back from Lee, uh, from Felix that I don't think was offsides. I'm, I, uh, D- Danielle, you watched the game. I didn't think it was offsides. Uh, do you agree? Unfortunately, with that game, I was more – since I was watching two matches at once, I was okay. more focused on the initial one. But – um, so I really can't contribute anything in that aspect. I only caught okay, glimpses okay, okay. of that. No, I got it. I'm, I, was, I, was, I was just checking because I knew you, you had it on at least. Um, so I didn't think it was offsides. Um, there was a person in offside position in the lead up, but it didn't, it, it was the person that was offside wasn't involved in the actual buildup of the play. So it was just an irrelevant sort of situation. And if Felix scores this goal, it's two one. If that goal stands, I don't know if Byron hound them in the same way. But again, Byron just do this. They do this to everyone. It's it's like they want to humiliate them. If they wanted to against Barcelona, they could have taken their foot foot off the gas and uh, Coutinho didn't have to score three goals in the last whatever a couple of minutes of that game to make it eight two instead of six two or something like that. And then you look at, you know, in the Champions League games that they played in the, those two against Arsenal, they didn't have to win them five nil. And I'm not saying that there's they're wrong for doing it, but I feel like sometimes they do it to humiliate. 
Roma's biggest loss I've ever seen in my in my life was from Byron as well in a 7-1 loss. So I think Byron's mentality and the German mentality is just, you know, to play until the whistle blows, score as many as you can and and humiliate your opposition. And that that may not be the, the how a lot of people view it, but I feel like that's just the way they play. And they're so deep and the the Bundesliga stuff hasn't gone as well as they would have liked so far. So I think for them, it was just trying to to uh, build up into that uh, monster that we saw last season. I agree with you. Um, and Lewandowski doesn't get a goal. It has no factor. You know you're deep when the best strike in the world can be non-existent and you can still win 4-0. And it's, it's not even that. You have to look at their bench. They brought in Javi Martinez, um, uh, um, Douglas Costa, and um, Alfonso Davies in a th- all at once. That was three guys who were sitting on the bench for 60 minutes. Those three players start for every other club in the world. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's how, that's how scary they are. Lewandowski can do nothing and they can still win 4-0. That's how great this team is. And Again, I do have concerns about the defense, but offensively, they're fine. They're going to score 100-plus goals this season, and they have a very real chance of repeating. Um, it's just going to come down to in, against teams that are more uh, deep in defense. Will they be able to sort of come through and, and, and be able to do that? And I'm not sure. But, again, they're so deep across the board that they're, they're just bot- – even if they sleepwalk it, they'll get – deep in this just because of how good they are. And, and Lewandowski did, didn't do much. I don't remember one significant moment he had in that game, but they still were absolutely antagonizing going forward. And that's what's scary about Bayern. Yep. Um, that, uh, this one is uh, one for Elliot and Danielle, if you know the situation. Elliot, Meza Erzo has been dropped from Arsenal's 25-man roster. Uh, he's not happy about it. Uh, I, I knew it was coming. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, so he, he's he's not going to be involved in the team at all this season. Is that what it means, basically? Oh, that's. I feel like. I feel like that, that that's they did him a little dirty there. If like if if he's not going to be a part of the team, then sell him, loan him. Let him play somewhere else, but to to completely just put him off the roster, um, I just think is is a little disrespectful towards him. And I'm not saying that he's been great the last couple of years because he's had his issues, but at the same time, you have to have some respect for what he did. At least at at points, he was part of some several teams that won the FA Cup. He had some really great seasons with Arsenal. So I just feel like that's it's just it's just a little cruel for them to do that to him. Danielle, what do you think? Um, this is actually the first time I'm hearing about it, so I totally agree with what Elliot is saying. That's just, like, if you're not going to use him on the roster at all, sell him or loan him out. Just don't, like, drop him from the roster and keep him on, because that's, like, a disrespect. It's, like, a waste of a player. So, I just hope that, I wish him the best of luck, whatever happens, because he's been one of those players that kind of like became a role model, especially with the way he offered to pay Gunner Soros' salary. So it's like, hopefully they give him an opportunity to play elsewhere. 
Yeah, Ryan, I have a quick question, actually. It, do you think that he should just – and I know you're Arsenal fans, so from his perspective, do you think he'll he'll file a lawsuit against Arsenal no, at any point no, because of this? No, I, I don't think – I mean, what, what can he do? <laughs> I, know, I know that's probably a good idea for him, but no, he can't. He's still getting paid a ton of money because he's dropped. They didn't cut him or anything. Okay. Like, he's getting paid to do literally nothing. He's getting paid 150 grand a week to literally sit at his house. I wish I could do that. Like they, they can't, you know, they can't like not pay him. They didn't, they just dropped him from the roster. Um, you know. So is he is is he not gonna train no, or anything like either? Artetis, like Arteta's completely dumb him. And <laughs> look, here's my thing with Arsenal. I, I love the man. I absolutely do. For what he did from 2014 when we got him till 2018 in Vegas last season, he was sensational. Even I would say in between the 2014-15 season. He was probably cracked the top 15 in the world. You know, absolutely phenomenal at the ball. But when Emery came in, it was a mm-hmm. completely different attitude. Arteta gave him chance and chance and chance, and he just did not cut it. And it's nothing against him. He's also 32 years old, and this team is getting younger and younger and younger and trying to build for the future. So I don't think he fits in the plans. But that all means that um, he's a – I don't know. I don't know if this may be agreed or not. He's a club legend in my book. He came in after we were trophyless for, you know, about nine years, helped us lift the FA Cup, brought us some great moments, um, you know, some great moments in the Champions League, won three trophies. So, you know, I mean, it's it wasn't all bad. It was a lot of good. Yeah. No, it's not agreed. It's like this. So for, this is the way I think about legends. The, the, like, I think about it as like yeah. a, as like a museum, right? So in Ferrama, Toti, Toti, Darasi, um, uh, Conti, and, and some others are on the top floor. They're the top legends, and there's a second floor legends and third floor legends. So with Arsenal, Mesut Ozil isn't a legend that's on the top floor, but he's still he's still involved in the bill in the the probably museum on the third floor because he's still part of so history. He helped us and the nine year trophy down. Right. Yeah, that's. That's my point. I just, I just think. Well, for one, I think club legend is thrown out a lot, but I think there's different levels of legends, and I think the problem when people say that is they get triggered because they, they, they view the rest of Arsenal and they think of him, and then to say that at the same standard is is egregious. But, to, but there's, I think there's different level of legends, and he is a legend, but he's just not on the first floor. Yeah, and I think um, that's completely fair. World Cup Germany. I mean, he's done. If this is it for him, he's had a phenomenal career. Like, you know, yeah, because you, you have to, right, you have to look back at the Real Madrid stuff too. At Real Madrid, he was absolutely astounding. So, and and he won Champions League there and he came to Arsenal and did some great things there. He won with Germany and his last trip with Germany wasn't memorable, but he still won the World Cup. So, no, I mean, I think I, and you know, I, I wish him all the best. I really do. Um, I really, I respect the hell out of him for what he did. He gave me a lot of great memories and some very, very bad years for Arsenal. So that being said, you know, I you know, I, I respect the guy. You know, I mean, he's he's never exactly. going to be one of my favorite Arsenal players of all time. Um, you know, and he's never going to be up there with Adams, Henri, Burkamp. You know, not even right. I but still but you still appreciate Absolutely. you still appreciate him. 
Same the same thing with with me and um sorry to interrupt uh, Diego Parati he scored the the the, the game winning goals in Totti's and De Rossi's last game he's not a legend in the same sense but I'll appreciate for him for those moments you know what I mean so I'm sure that you have moments of Ozil that you appreciate him for and remember fondly of so I think hey, guys I think like Ozil and Aaron Ramsey you know I want to call them legends per se Aaron Ramsey's header against Chelsea in the 2017 FA Cup final when we beat them. I'll never, ever forget that, you know? Yeah. And it's just one goal, but I loved him because mm-hmm. he played and worked so hard. And, you know, I mean, it's just – there's good memories surrounding those guys, even when the team was rubbish. It, it, there's just good memories surrounding certain players. So, yeah. Exactly. So, I wish you all the best. Thank you for um, your service starts to the football club visit. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for that tw- – thanks for the 2014 – 2015 and 2017 FA Cups and all those and like four top four finishes. Um, great memories. Um, so, yeah, there's that. All right. Now. Yeah. So, hold on. W- one more thing on that. Um, I know we want to talk about the Derby and stuff, but I just want to mention one more thing. So, do you think they get rid of him? And do you think they try to move him in January or are they just going to make him sit where he is or, or um, move him in the summer? Listen, I don't know what they. I. I I think they'll try to in January, and I'd certainly hope they do. I mean, you got to give the man some respect. You know what I mean? Um, honestly, yeah. I think I think like I think like Galatasaray for Nabacho taken. Plus, he has family in Turkey, so I think that's uh, not a crazy um, no, I idea think he for, is gonna for go him. Galatasaray. Um, I'm just. I've been saying that for a while. I could see that you know it, playing out half the year, um, and then deciding if he wants to keep playing football or just call it a career. You know, I mean, which sounds crazy because he's only right. 32. I could see him, honestly, either at Galatasaray or making the move to like LAFC or something like that. What do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think LAFC is not a bad idea, but I think the Turkey one is more um, plausible just because he has family in Turkey. So um, he just feel more at home there, but. Uh, MLS is always an option for fading players, but I just I just feel like he's the type of player that would rather go out there and, and play in Europe than um, even if it's at Turkey um, than someone who who goes to North America. Yeah, that's my that's Bible my too. Vibe. I think he has too he has too much of a competitive streak in him. Way too much. Um, right. All right, uh, now the meat and potatoes. Latan Ibrahimovic, Danielle, are you having nightmares of that man? Humor to me, man. <laughs> yes, I actually kind of like no, like stop it. Because <laughs> I mean, holy, I mean, like when we thought when he came back to AC Milan, we were like, oh, this is a bad move. But damn, for him being in his thirties and still executing and performing at a very high level is just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. He's still got it. Um, it's just one of those things where I was like, okay, we had what was it? We had him enter and Milan had a draw, but just I mean, both sides performed fairly well, but just the way Zlatan like goes out a whole nother level is just like, mm. wow. Yeah, like we always say, Danielle, the first 15 minutes are crucial. Yeah. <laughs> and it was over after nine. 
<laughs> or something like that. It he scored the penalty and then he scored another one in like two minutes after that. So it was crazy. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Um I think it was Lukaku who scored Inter's only goal that day, but Lukaku, I mean, besides Martinez and Lukaku, the midfield was lackluster in, in certain areas. The defense was okay, but could have been better. Just, I think they allowed a little bit way too many gaps to allow Milan to get those potential scoring opportunities. And it only happened at the beginning because on the second goal, that was the only time where Milan or AC, uh, sorry, Inter's defense sort of sort of saw gaps. The rest of the game after the first half, they your defense seemed to be able to handle what was you know what they were throwing at you. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. But it's just like one of those things that it's just like Inter is still it's still a good team, but they still have a lot of to work on before they can be considered title winners again because. I was saying that depth is an issue. Now that we have a little bit more depth, we're seeing like errors in the midfield. And it's like, I think Inter is like one of those teams, like just as you fix one thing, two more problems show up. And then once you fix one of those problems, two more show up. And it's just like a vicious circle. So, I think it'll be quite a while before I, we, I can really see Inter winning a title again. All right. Uh, one more question about the Derby before we do take it or leave it and our donkey of the week. Offside, yes or no? Uh, uh, penalty, Ryan. I mean, you said you said penalty, right, Danielle? Yes. Okay. I'll, you argue that and I'll argue the opposition. Um, with that goal, um, the way the keeper grabbed Lukaku – after he made his goal attempt, was definitely like a clear penalty. I mean, you saw him bring him down, and especially inside the box. But you could argue that it was offside, yes. But just the way the keeper grabbed him by the ankles, and then just after he went down to the ground, is just like, mm -mm. didn't sit well with me. All right, so. I get what you're saying because on based on the, the, the live version of it, it looked like a penalty, and I thought it was a penalty until they showed the replay. So two things happened. Number one, when when uh, Donnarumma and Lukaku collide, the ball actually touches uh, Donnarumma's knee before he hits Lukaku. So based on the way the rule works, that's not a penalty just because it was a ball first. But, you know, that one, that's a 50-50. So if you want to give, you want to give it. But the, the interesting thing is here is Erickson touches the ball with his leg before it goes forward. And in that, in the, in the situation where he was uh, sort of put there, so Lukaku's forward, but he's in front of the entire defense. And the, the, they're, they're playing the offside trap perfectly. But the fact that Erickson touches the ball, and, and the ball goes forward where Lukaku is, that makes it offside. So, for example, if, um, if, the mall, if the last touch before that was off the Milan defender and then it goes forward to Lukaku and then he's wiped out, then it's, then it's a penalty clearly. But I, the way I saw it is I saw the touch on the, the, um, Erickson's foot 
that was the, the most recent touch, which if that is coming from Erickson, that, that's in uh, um, an offside position. But that's I would say. Um, I have, actually have one more question for Daniel before we move on to, to the next segment. Um, so, um, so I'll say this. Um, do, do you know uh, the, the Hakimi one at the end of, or near the end of the um, uh, midway through the second half? Do you feel like he should have scored that? Uh, yeah. So what, what, uh, what in the second half, obviously I actually think it was, it should have been a, a draw, but not because, um, not because Milan didn't deserve because uh, Inter kind of dominated the second half, but what, what's your biggest concern about that part of the, 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 the cutting edge part of the game um, in terms of uh, finishing chances going forward? Um, that is like, even today um, Inter had, like a, a bunch of great chances, but they just had a hard time finishing. Um, it, back when I was first in the sport, they were really good at finishing chances. Uh, but not only that, you also had the clinical striker of Moro Icardi. So you had somebody who was good at finishing their chances. Um, but now without Icardi, and you're relying on a bunch of different key pieces, you have, everybody has to learn to be able to finish their own chances and being able to execute them to perfection. So if they can't, like I said, just as they fix one problem, two more show up. So, which is the midfield and finishing chances. If they don't work on getting at least these things situated, it's going to be difficult for – it's going to be a long season for Inter, plain and simple. Do you think Do you think the fact that – I mean, Mar- Martinez is basically the one who are creating – obviously, Lukaku's doing I'm – not, I'm not saying that he's not creating changes, but the creator of the attack seems to be Martinez because there's none of that in the midfield. How concerning is that, especially when you, when you go forward through the next couple of weeks and have some really tough games? That is definitely like one of those situations that I'm kind of concerned about because we can't have just one player constantly being the one who creates those chances. That's also kind right. of like the he, he's good at he's great. I mean, at he's it. great at That's it. Don't problem. get me wrong, but usually he's the only he's he's like the only player that's doing it. Lukaku is also – I mean, he's not as prevalent as Martinez, but he still creates a bunch of those chances, which usually your chance creators are those players in the midfield. and Or even – yeah, exactly. And you're not even seeing that. So if, the, if it's usually your attackers creating and doing all, these, all the scoring, then why the heck do we have these – do we bring in all these midfielders who – won't do their job correctly. It's like. uh. Right. You're basically, um, you're basically having to, to operate on a shorter field because the balls are not coming from the midfield and Barella's had good games, but again, he feels kind of isolated there. So because of that, Martinez and Lukaku, mostly Martinez is having to create. And I know Lukaku's creating too, but that just seems like an ongoing issue for, um, for enter just because the, sh- the field shrinks when you're when you're creating in the attack because you have nothing being created from the midfield um anyway that's all i all wanted right, to ask all right, time for take it or leave it um 
Elliot, Danielle, take it or leave it. The Netherlands title title hopes for uh, Euro 2021 are now shattered. I don't know um, much about international football right now, so I'll get back to this one at, at some point later on. <laughs> you, you, you know Van Dyke, though, right? Uh, yeah. He's injured. He's injured. So, okay, I'll answer first. So, wait. So, uh, sorry, Ryan. Can you repeat the question? It looks like he'll be out for quite a bit. Uh, even when he comes back, you just saw what happened with Salah in 2018. Their chances of winning the Euros are gone. Take it or leave it. I'll leave it. I think they still have a good chance to win it because I've said this a couple weeks ago. Delit is Delit. The distance, the distance in terms of defending between Delit and Van Dyke is a massive, and they still have Delit. So they don't have the two of them together. If the two of them are together, they win the whole thing. But with Delit and the other pieces they have in the midfield and going forward with Dijon Van Beek and then the the Pat, uh, Clivert on the wing, they have a lot of good pieces there as well as as many other uh, good pieces throughout this entire team. So it it it, it weakens the case for them, but I feel like Delay can do a good enough job in the back line to not um, become a team that's conceding a lot. So I think it, it, it's not as strong as it was, but I just still think they're in, in the race for it. Um, take it or leave it. Uh, Roma beat AC Milan on Monday. Um, I'll go first if you want. Yeah, I got to um, go I'm going to leave it. I think they're gonna. Both sides are gonna perform fairly very well. Um, so I think this match, just based on both sides performing re- good as of late, I think this match is just gonna be one of those draw situations. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna second that because look, if Zlatan Ibrahimovic plays more than fifty minutes. Actually, you know, if, if he plays at all, not you know, if, if he plays a good chunk against Celtic tomorrow, then I think Romo will win because the other options that they have attacking wise aren't good enough. And uh, Zlatan, if he's not at full fitness, and I know he can still perform, but because of it's not a lot, it's not a lot of distance and of, of days between the the Celtic game and the Roma game. That's the only. That's the way that Roma uh, that Roma would beat them. Um, but I think it's going to be a draw. Roma's defense this season, other you know they they did concede the the one. But if you take that away, the the the, the deflected goal, two, half of their goals have been penalties against them. They're playing at a high level, and I feel like the rest of the team is starting to click. And Roma have depth now, which makes them really dangerous. But I, I just don't think. I, I don't know if they have enough to beat AC Milan, but I don't think AC Milan has enough to beat Roma either. So I just think it's going to be a split down the middle. All right, uh, take it or leave it. Uh, baseball had the lowest rating in like the past ever for their uh, World Series last night. Take it or leave it. Uh, football is replacing baseball as one of the big four sports in America. I'm taking. I'll take that. Uh, like we talked before. Um, the Premier League is becoming a serious thing in, in the United States. Um, people are watching it together. It's, it's sort of like a fun thing you do on a, on a Saturday morning with your friends. Um, and it's the social aspect and, and of all that. And also, the Premier League is getting new fans every single year, where baseball is not getting new fans every single year. 
baseball's fan base is mostly people who are 40 years old and over while, while football, our football's fan base is from any age practically. And most people really into her in their twenties and thirties and forties. But the thing is, they're always getting new fans and new fans, especially in America that very soon baseball will become so much less of a, a factor in this big, the big sports than, uh, than football. Danielle. Yeah. Elliot pretty much just said the nail on the head. I'm definitely taking it. Uh, Cause uh, Elliot told me the average age of a baseball fan is 55 and, but we're just continuing to get new supporters every day. And so, and it's growing with such intensity in, here in the States that it's going to definitely overtake it in the next maybe one or two years. All right. Uh, I got two more for you. So take it or leave it. Um, at Atlanta, um, continue this hot streak momentum and end up getting the double this year. Oh, my goodness. The double, Hold on. I got to think about it. Double with the league. So, what are they win the league and the Copa tie or the league and the Champions League? I don't care, but they're going to win a double. Wait. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the league. Yeah. So, it can be any form of double, right? I mean, be, okay. That's a tough one. Um, you know what? I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm not I'm not saying this with great conviction because Napoli looked like a real problem and they made Atlanta look like they haven't looked in years. Um, but it's a one game off and I feel like Atlanta with the attacking options they have will have the advantage if Napoli gets an injury. If Napoli stays healthy, it's going to be a hard, hard ask. But I think these are the two teams that are going to be really, really fighting for it this year. Um, so I'll say this. I'll say they can, they'll win the chance. I think they have a great chance of winning the league and the Copa Italia. Um, I, I'm actually – I'm kind of accepted that they're winning the Copa Italia. I think that they're going to win it. I'm very confident in saying that. The Champions League will be a little bit harder, um, but it's not impossible for them. But, again, I think be, over two legs it will be more problematic because of not having the strongest defense. Um so I think they win the league and they win the Copa Italia. I mean, for the sake, you can say no. For the, uh, for, <laughs> okay, for this, I'm just gonna. I, I say leave it. I think it's gonna be difficult for them to like be able to reach that like accolade this season. Um, I mean, you have a bunch of teams that are coming out hot, and will give them some issues like Milan is continuing to perform at a top notch level. You have Napoli who is hungry and wanting to get a title of some sort this season. So they're not going to let that like slide. So I'm going to leave it. All right. Last one before donkey of the week. And we head out, take it or leave it with uh, how shocking Madrid's defense is. Messi gets a hat trick in El Clasico on Saturday. I mean, uh, I'm going to take it, actually, because um, Messi really hasn't had that moment yet. He, um, he's obviously not played for part of the season, but um, he's had a lot of assists and done a lot of facilitating and, and got a few goals, but he hasn't had that moment yet. Um, so I, I think he gets – yeah, I'll say hat trick, just because the, the defense is so shambolic. 
and Messi will find some space and, and be able to execute that. Take it or leave it. I say I'm taking it too just because of that. All right. Um, Elliot, uh, Danielle, uh, who's your donkey of the week? Can I start? Oof. I'm going to say this right now. Yeah, I'm going to say ahead. my donkey of the week has got to be Zinedine Zidane. With the, he lost to a team that just got newly promoted. Wrong formation. He had an atrocious formation. An atrocious game plan out of the start against Shakhtar. And, yeah, so he's my donkey of the week. Also, the clowns that say Syria is not a good league. Syria did very, very well um, today. Um, just saying. Um, I think Juventus won yesterday, too. And I know Juventus looked putrid. And, by the way, we'll get to that next week. But we had a lot to talk about. But they still won. They didn't lose a game in the Champions League this um, um, this current round. So, for anybody that says it's a crap league, uh, put your clown nose on. You're a bunch of clowns. And, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I have make I have makeup, so guys, I can put that makeup on them if you want. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next. Um, since you just brought them up, I don't care that they won. Juventus, okay? Let, let's just talk about the week they just had. I know Ronaldo's not there and the ball is not there. They made all these big signings, and they were supposed to deliver, and they could not beat a team in Crotone who I think by most people's expectations are going to be relegated. They couldn't put two past them. They lost, they, they, I mean, they, they dropped a point there against a team that is very bad defensively and has no attacking power. Um, and then they go to Kiev, and I understand that they, they, they got the points, but they looked horrific. Um, and I, it, just, it, it just looks like a disaster for them, and they re- they're really starting to scare me as far as a um, – Champions League team, they look absolutely awful. Dybala hasn't played yet, so they, I think they have a chance to turn this around. Um, but they, they were horrific. I mean, you, you can watch that game any way you want with the, with the Juventus hat on or without. Regardless of how you watch that game, it was awful for them. And if, I just don't – it's, it's not impossible for them to – I wouldn't say, like, not make it out of the group – but if they keep playing like this, somebody might surprise them and end up in a situation where, you know, they, they do not make it out. But it was just a horrible hey, week for them. Both performances were awful. How much do you blame this on Bill Roll? Yeah. Um, that's a hard one. Um, I only give him like 5% of the blame because he did not go into a good situation. And Weston McKinney has coronavirus. And Ronaldo on the ball yeah, route. And, and so. And so does Ronaldo. Yeah, so, so this is what I'll say. I'm just going to reiterate what I said when he was hired. I said short term, it's a bad idea. But long term, in terms of building something, that he he's a good he's a good person for them to do that. So if that's their aim, it's a great signing. Uh, hire, whatever. But I, I don't give him that much blame. He had... Um, he didn't have a great team. He has, but they're still great enough to beat Kiev and, and Crotone. But, but the thing is with them, I think the only thing I really blame him for is buying Federico Chiesa, who was a horrible signing to begin with. But um, 
I just think overall you can't put this on him because he was he was brought into a situation where they demand excellence from the beginning, and he hadn't even coached a game until um, like a month ago. So it's hard for me to put, put the blame on him. And I think as far as the the, the sporting director and Pillrow goes, I think Pillrow will give will be given time and opportunity to to make this Juventus his, and uh, the director is more likely to be. Um, blamed for whatever doesn't Danielle, go right do you have your season. donkey before we head out? I'm going to ruffle some feathers. The My donkey of the week is Inter's midfield. I mean, come on, guys. You are usually the ones responsible for creating the chances and getting and distributing the ball to the strikers so they can execute their goals. You have been non-existent. And enough is enough. You need to get your act together or else Farpen Kulo. Daniel, hold, real quick. Think about this. They just they decided to sign uh, Vidal instead of Kumbula. Right. Right? <laughs> and then, uh, sorry, no, sorry, Tenali. And then they signed Kolarov instead of uh, Kumbula. I just think... I think the mid obviously donkey of the week goes to the midfield, but also the transfer policy was just so really. Can bad. I also give a dog a secondary donkey of the week to the sporting director? I, I mean, I think it's Conte more than anything else. But uh, yeah, I mean, come on, guys, you're getting these players who are old, outdated. You had two perfectly good players that are so young and would provide many years of service to the club. But then you get these players who are only going to be good for one season. Like, what the hell, people? Uh, um, has well, he say, what the hell were they thinking? I don't think they should have signed. They should have signed Tenali. They should have sold Brozovic and and signed Conte from Chelsea. That's what they should have done. If that was their midfield of Barella, Conte, and um, Tenali, I think you guys would be title favorites. But because they didn't do that, and this wasn't a. a a crazy proposition. Inter Milan had money. They could have got Conte with some funds they would get from uh, Brozovic. And then Tenali, I don't understand what happened. They 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 had the deal almost on, almost done, and they had to all they had to do was close it. And all right, anyway. Well. <laughs> Anybody got a hero though? Anybody yeah, I got do. Any I gotta give a hero shout out to Paulo Valditi for putting together this AC Milan squad. <laughs> That hurts. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on that banter. Then, actually, I have, I have two heroes. One, uh, the Inter Milan sporting director, um, who allowed us to get Kabul oh. and taking cholera from us. And um, two, uh, let me think here. Um, I really like the midfield display from Glogbach today. Oh. Um, so I, I know that, that it was only a draw, but I thought I thought they were really really phenomenal. Um, Inter Milan should try to get one of those guys in January because um, that seems what they're missing. But really, I thought good performance from all around um, from them. But uh, I, it's easy to say Bayern Munich, but I, I don't need to give them any more than they already got. Oh, so I, I have the midfield from uh, Gladbach, really. Uh, Thank you for giving us a good laugh today. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. They were absolutely outstanding. I actually – I will go with Shakhtar as my hero. And I think I will also give it to um, Somers of Gladbach because just the way he was able to run that one goal in the second half 
was because if that had went in, it could have been a whole different story. Um, so Summers, you get one of my heroes of the week. Also, I want to say one more thing before you um, chalk off. I don't know one talked about this game at all because it's, it wasn't the big headlines, but the RB Salzburg locomotive Moscow game was absolutely outstanding. I, I still think it was the best match of the week uh, in the Champions League, even though those aren't the biggest teams and they're not going to get all the headlines. It was a, just a tremendous performance from both teams. It was absolutely I'm actually going to uh, go football, watch that game so right now. I just want to mention that. I have it on, on CV. It's really good. Eder, Eder the, the old hero of the uh, Champions uh, the Euros, ended up scoring on the game, which I thought was funny. But it was right. I, well, I thought it was a phenomenal game, today. personally. Um, have a great week, everybody. Uh, come on, you Gunners. Uh, Forza Roma, Forza Inter. Um, Elliot, we have some uh, – some, actually, before we go, Elliot, uh, for all the people wondering, me and Elliot did not preview the uh, joke matches that Roma and Arsenal have tomorrow. Is they, Would it be an embarrassment if, if either one of our clubs lost tomorrow? Um, it would – I'll put it this way. It would be a joke if Roma lost. Arsenal, look, you got an easy group just like we do. Rapid and uh, Rapid's a good team. They're not a great team, so you should beat them easily. But Rapid is a capable side that's capable of, of having one of these moments where they can beat a big team. I think if – no, I think it would be embarrassing for both. If you, if you draw, I think – you can. It's not as embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. But if 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 either of us if either of us lose or don't, yeah, if either of us loses, it's, it's a joke. But I think if if you end up getting a point, it's not as bad as it as people will say. Right. Just because well, I know rap can play. Uh, see y'all. This is Elliot. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cannon Snakes and the Olympico. Next week on the show, we will have a very special guest as Jack Bryant comes back on the show. We'll talk about the potential of a European Super League. We'll see if Inter Milan can get back on the right track against Genoa. We'll see who will reign supreme in the matchup between AC Milan and Roma. We'll talk about with Jack the status of Liverpool this season, as well as more Champions League games. As we look for the, some primetime matchups on Tuesday night and breaking down the much-anticipated matchup between Juventus and Barcelona. More Champions League matches and other matches throughout Europe that take place this week, as well as resuming and expanding on the conversation of Kylian Mbappe as Jack is one of his harshest critics. It will be a great show. I hope everyone listens. Please join us um, next week. We're on Spotify as well on Anchor. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. We can't wait.